0: everyone, and welcome to The Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of the You are home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we are going to the depths of the Atlantis. We're going back to Wakanda. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are reviewing... Ryan Coogler's Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We're going to start today's conversation with a quick icebreaker question before jumping into a spoiler-free review. And there we'll render a verdict on the film. And then we'll conclude the show by holding an in-depth spoiler discussion where we're going to break this movie wide open. And joining me today, as always, my co-host, award-winning Oklahoma filmmaker, Leron Chapman. Leron, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. How's life been? I feel like it's been a a month or so since we've done one of these.
1: Life is, I mean, it's been another interesting week on planet Earth, you know, just in general. Um, For a lot of other reasons, that's a whole nother podcast. But all things considered,
0: I'm doing well. All right. That's what I like to hear. Also super excited to be rejoined by our resident superhero fan, Sorry, I shouldn't say superhero fan. Chelsea, you're so much more than a superhero fan, but you also only <laughs> I only seem to invite you to superhero movies, so maybe that 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 is on me. So Chelsea Radaman from Geek Girl features also the Oklahoma Film Critics Circle Treasure. Welcome back to the cinematic schematic.
2: Thanks for having me. Once again on superhero films.
0: I need I need to get a list of movies you want to talk about, not a, not a superhero <laughs> films after this recording.
2: Spider-Man <laughs> guilt rip, guilt trip into something else.
0: Oh man. <laughs> I'm also really excited to be joined by a first-time guest host, Corey Akers. He is the grand gentleman, executive director, and also Mad Dreams Cinema executive producer. Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Corey, confession. You and I met. I, so, firstly, I'm pretty sure I would followed you on Twitter several months ago via our mutual friend Joshua Unruh. And then circumstances led to us being seeing The Batman back in March in the, at the same time. It was super fun. Saw the movie, had a good pre-convo, post-convo, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I got to figure out, like, I I, I want to learn more about Corey, but, like, like what movies does he like? So I'm going to invite him onto the show. So I, I I spent some time watching your tweets for a few months, and finally, I reached out to Joshua, and I'm like, hey, do you think he would want to talk about Black Panther Wakanda forever? And Josh was like, I don't know, you should ask him. I was like, great idea. <laughs> and here you are. So, I'm, anyway, I've been looking forward to having you around the table. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, one thing I wanted to note, just because you're a first-time guest and maybe our listeners uh, aren't as familiar with with you and what you do, you're very active and engaged here in the Oklahoma City community with The Grand Gentleman,
3: uh, in addition to having your own creative endeavors. So could you tell us a bit more about your nonprofit? Well, we started the organization back in 2014, just a group of guys locally here who were into fashion and also uh, wanted to impact our community, give back to the the young kids out here. And uh, that... That developed, you know, we would go to like, well, we would do photo shoots and we would go to like churches and, 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 uh, and you know, community centers and talk to the youth and stuff like that. And um, that grew into the point to where we decided to become a real nonprofit, you know, to, to further the impact. Um, we do a lot of stuff locally. Uh, the biggest thing we do right now is our Man of the Year award and our leading lady award. So these are scholarships we give to kids graduating from Oklahoma city public schools and surrounding areas. It is at least a thousand dollars in a custom business suit designed by me and the student and um, other things we do. uh, We, we uh, do back to school drives every year. We do a winter coat drive. Uh, We did a suit drive back in 2021. We gave out 150 suits to uh, men on the East side and, uh, you know, business shirts and ties and stuff like that. So, you know, the goal is uh, we want to, well, with the suit drive, we want to, you know, primarily my, my, my goal is to get, you know, like recently incarcerated men or people who are unemployed. The pandemic had everyone pretty hard, you know. We want to help people get back on their feet and, you know, give them some professional attire. And, you know, that was a, that was a really beautiful thing. But, you know, the goal is just to uplift, encourage, and inspire young men in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Um, primarily men of color, you could be the next president. You can be whatever you want to be, and we'll help you do it.
0: Man, that's so cool. I, I think uh, I, I love seeing just sort of like the grassroots nonprofits, like the, the one yourself are doing, just to to really try to help people out. And uh, listeners, uh, I hope that you will take some time to check out the Grand Gentleman. Uh, Corey, is there a place online, a social media account, or website people can go to if they want to to learn more or contribute?
3: We are at Grand Gentleman, G R A N D. G-E-N-T-L-E-M-E-N, plural, on every social media. And it's grandgentleman.com slash scholarship. Awesome. Well, again,
0: uh, thank you so much for what you do. I think it's an invaluable service that is uh, helping uh, raise up uh, Oklahomans uh, here in Oklahoma City and uh, making a, sounds like making a big difference in the lives of a a lot of young men. So uh, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you. Well, listeners, before we get into today's review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I just wanted to quickly note that if you enjoy this conversation, please make sure to support the show by subscribing and leaving us a rating and a review on Preferred Podcast app. We have a lot of reviews coming at you. I, In fact, we've got this one that's going to, you're listening to it right now. Uh, before Thanksgiving, you're going to have a Glass Onion review, and I think a week after that, maybe two weeks after that, you're going to have a Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio review, and... The long-teased Avatar uh, 2009 uh, revisit podcast is coming right before Avatar's The Way of Water, uh, which is coming later in December. On top of, Leron, you and I probably need to catch up on all the indie films. Uh, I mean, things like Decision to Leave, things uh, like Tar. Still haven't seen Banshee's of Ensure yet, but movies like that that uh, we don't maybe didn't... Maybe don't get a full episode to to discuss, but I really want to highlight those, especially as we head closer and closer to the end of the year and awards season. So maybe we'll even have one of those. So listeners, so many things coming down the pipeline. Uh, It's just a, a really exciting time of the year for movie fans when the holiday rush starts and so do the movies. With that said, now that you know the voices are on the table, let's get to know a little bit more about our preferences with our icebreaker questions. So for the table, you get to be one of these for a day. Which do you pick and why? The three options I've listed here are Godlike Powers Underwater, a.k.a. Namor. You can fly through the skies at unbelievable speed, a.k.a. Iron Man. Or you can be a do-it-yourself genius costume designer like Shuri or, in this case, Black Panther. Leroyne Chapman, turning it to you first.
1: Man, I feel like one of these is tailor-made for Corey here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if it were me, and since it's just for a day, then I guess I'm gonna go with um, flying through the skies like Iron Man, because you know airline tickets aren't cheap. So no, they're not.
0: You know, you can teleport anywhere. Really? Absolutely. In yeah. Flight. He goes pretty fast too. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Corey,
3: how about you? I'm definitely flying, bro. 100. <laughs> <laughs> percent I don't swim. I, I already make my own suits. I'm flying.
0: Not even. Not even for the, the killer whales. No, nah. oh. oh, especially not that <laughs> i don't know that
3: would be kind of
0: cool did you watch blackfish <laughs> was like, yikes wow <laughs> now i now i'm uh rethinking this entire question altogether.
1: Um, okay they were so, much nicer in wakanda and uh, well in the wakanda film to be fair yeah yeah so.
0: absolutely okay so we get chelsea we've got two who are going for flight what, what are you picking
2: i'm gonna have to go with flight <sighs> because okay. i okay I think I've recently discovered I have that telasophobia or whatever, because they show you the photos of like the deep ocean. You're like, no, hard pass. So not the first one. Yeah. Not not anymore. Sorry, not for me.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, so flight and, you know, being a genius costume designer, you're already one of those, right? So absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see. Well, man, this is a flawed icebreaker question on my part. I I tried to mix it up by making it multiple choice this week and that backfired. Uh, Because, uh, Chelsea, I also, I wouldn't say it's a phobia, although I find that one of the scariest places on Earth is probably on a boat in the middle of the ocean with nothing in sight in any direction. That's a pretty terrifying position to be in. So horror movies set on the ocean, I I, I actually get extra terrified. Mm -hmm. Now, (laughs) imagine that underwater, that's a whole other layer of just... Chills. So yeah. I also don't want to go underwater. But you know, I'm gonna go with be a, a, a do-it-yourself costume designer just because I gotta be a contrarian and uh my my fashion <laughs> sense isn't always been the best. I've been working on it and I'm getting, you know, pretty pretty okay, pretty passable. But uh, you know, if I were able to to be a, a do-it-yourself genius costume designer, I'd have it all right here, just like that. There you go. Instantly. I need to get some tips on Corey, that's the real truth. <laughs> um, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you can let us know. Which one of these would you be for a day? Would you like... Godlike powers underwater like Namor, which like to fly through the skies like Iron Man, or would you like to be an epic costume designer like Sure and Black Panther? You can let us know by sending us uh, an email at the cinematropolis at gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter, as long as it is still functioning as a website. You can hit us <laughs> up on Twitter at the cinematrop, uh, or you can uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get to our main discussion. Our We'll, we'll start with our spoiler free review of Black Panther Wakanda forever. So, according to IMDb, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever is described as "People of Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa." A couple of fun facts about this this movie: uh, number one, this is the thirtieth film set in the MCU. Guys, thirty movies, thirty movies. That's so many movies, it's such a big franchise. That's more yeah. than Star. Is that more movies than Star Trek? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Is it right? more
1: than the Bonds too? Maybe.
0: I don't yeah, know. it is. I think I think yeah. Bond twenty five or twenty six. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well. Hey. <laughs> Also, this train's not slowing down anytime soon because <laughs> the film done. grossed an estimated $180 million domestically in the U.S. and $330 million globally on its opening weekend. It broke the record for the highest November opening weekend in North uh, the North American box office history by surpassing easily the $158 million that was brought in by 2013's The Hunger Games Catching Fire. I actually say kudos to Catching Fire. I can't believe it held onto the record for that long. That's yeah. impressive. So... Let's just let's just get into it. I I have intentionally tried not to dive too deeply into anyone's thoughts on this film, and I'm really curious to see what everyone brings to the table. Corey, I don't I don't mean to put you on the spot, and this is your <laughs> first time, but just give me like, what do you think? Spoiler free, like, what were your overall thoughts on Black Panther: Wakanda Forever?
3: Firstly, I want to say shout out to the great and powerful Ryan Coogler for uh, stepping up. To the Herculean task of reworking this story after the passing of Chadwick Bozeman, excuse me, rest in peace. Um, you know, oh, and let me say something else. I was very much so strongly in the recast to Chala camp. Um, so I went into this movie with some bias. I went into it with some negativity. Not gonna lie. Um, not because we all knew sure, sure well, we all knew Shuri was gonna have a lot to handle, um, and um, sorry, I, I forgot. This is the spoiler for you. I don't want to say too much, but you know,
0: we all knew she had a lot to handle. Yeah, ha- I think we can say she has to take on a bigger role than she right. did. Uh, she was she was no longer the supporting character.
3: Sure, right. I really enjoyed the movie. You know, I watched. I've seen it twice so far. Nice. My first watch, I didn't like it because there were you know, I don't think I don't think this the plot that we got justifies the length of the movie. Um, there was a lot in there that we could have cut out that we can talk about when you know when we, when we go spoilers, full on spoilers. But um, there was a little subplot in there that I thought we could have taken out. And there was, it was a, another subplot that I thought we didn't really dive into as much as I wanted to. And another one that I thought we dived too deep into. Um, and then the length was, was kind of killer. There were some uh, social themes in the movie that I didn't like at all, and I didn't like some social themes from the first Black Panther movie either. So I, I knew I wasn't surprised. It's Disney, you know. Right. They're gonna, they're gonna do what their shareholders want, you know. <laughs> Truth. Um. You know, and they are like sponsored by the U.S. military. But that stuff I didn't like, but overall, you know, after my second viewing, you know, I, the second viewing I was I was much more in tune with the emotion of what was going on. Instead of just going, oh no, it's a comic book movie, comic book movie, you know so um, but overall, um what do you, do you do I give you a number? no no, no we get no? To that. we'll get to that later yeah, okay, you okay. no, you're good, just just like generally what you thought like your oh, initial take okay. on it, yeah, yeah, um, after yeah. my second viewing, uh, definitely positive
0: okay, all right, so generally positive,
1: Lauren Chapman, I'll turn it to you i I felt like this film had kind of you know for an MCU film, you know had an uncommon depth emotional depth to it. Um, I thought the performances were of a caliber that we haven't really seen in any of the MCU films. Um, I thought we had a pretty cool villain. Um, there's some more on that later, you know, but but I think that a pretty, a pretty complicated villain, very much like Killmonger. So I thought that was really, um, really cool. And then obviously the amazing costuming. Once again, I was, everything just looked amazing, you know. So um, there's some shortcomings for sure in the storyline itself. Again, more on that later. But um, I'm pretty warm on this. I feel like, um, you know, there was an impossible task of taking on a sequel like this. I mean, you you lose your lead. You know, you have so many different—you have to introduce new characters. You have to, you know, still be a sequel, you know, that's that's somewhat better or bigger and, you know, bolder than the last one. So all of those things are pros and cons, I think, in this one, you know, where it— the shortcomings uh, kind of fall into play because of how much they have to tackle, but then there's also a lot of interesting things if a little bit overstuffed. So
0: yeah, but generally, overall, you're pretty positive generally, with uh, I, some caveats. Generally, generally positive, you know, on the film. Yeah. Okay. All right, Chelsea Radman, what did you think of Wakanda Forever?
2: Uh, I'm I'm in the the pretty positive camp. Um, I think that you know, all things considered everything was so unpredictable but this movie does fall really well into what i think phase four is doing with that like meditation of grief that has really kind of been like a a, a through point with you know wanda and um you know a lot of other other our other characters so I, I think it fit in really well which is you know obviously wasn't intentional in like the planning process probably there's probably a, like a, i mean they basically had to dump the script right
0: at least part of it. Yeah. At least
2: part of it. So I, I think that gave it a depth that we haven't seen in phase four. I mean, outside of Wanda and all of her, um, all of her storylines, but we haven't seen that. I mean, and we've kind of had the the conversations of how disjointed phase four is, but that really gave this movie a, a good way to like bookend phase four um, and kind of start us off on a, like a new, new chapter. Um, but overall, I think it was, it was great. Okay.
0: Uh, I'm going to be the white dude at the table. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Uh, I want to preface this by saying I adore Ryan Coogler. Echo everything Corey said. The challenges that had to be overcome with this movie were impossible. While you're working within the Marvel machine, a.k.a. you don't really get to push your movie back that much. I mean, there was probably a short little bit of reprieve due to the pandemic. But I mean, it's not like, hey, we need an extra year on this movie. Can we get it? It's no, no, no we got we got deadlines quotas we got to meet we this is you might get one push maybe a little bit of uh moving things around a bit but this movie had to come out when it came out w- within phase 4 he lost his his star Chadwick Boseman which is a huge loss huge charisma huge talent just uh again truly a tragedy and Ryan Coogler had to rework majorly overhaul the script i think originally in one of the interviews i read he had said that originally it was going to be T'Challa still grieving over the all of the injustice that had occurred while he was snapped, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And obviously they had to pivot away from that. But also on top of that, he had to meet, I assume it's Kevin Feige, but the, the corporate overlords that say, hey, this is the biggest movie in phase four. It's gonna be the biggest one probably. So since we have the most eyeballs on it, what if we like, you know, just backdoor pilot a couple things? That's cool, right? Mm-hmm. Can you work this in there too? Uh. And it had the the impossible task of topping the first film, which I I also love the first film. It's probably one of my favorite MCU films. It's not perfect, but I I love quite a bit about that movie and it's one that's that's actually one of the MCU films. There's honestly only a small handful of them that I, I would probably go back and revisit, like make an active choice to go back and revisit. That said, it could have been because. The marketing was so good that it got me really amped for this movie because LaRon, you and I talked, and yeah, Chelsea, we talked about this uh, with uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder. Mm-hmm. I thought it was every time a Marvel movie comes out now, I think I'm out, they drop a baller trailer, and I'm like, God ah, dang, I'm back in. <laughs> so maybe it was because the marketing was so good, so my expectations went up. Could have been because I'd watched Tar the same day, another two-hour and 40-minute long movie, and I was tired. It could have been... The fact that I think I'm just really fatigued with studio, like large studio blockbusters in general. But I walked away feeling a little underwhelmed. Now, I don't want to trash it because I think there's actually quite a bit that works about it. Again, uh, Corey, LaRon, the Ryan Coogler and the way he is able to really bring out the, uh, the emotions thematically and with his actors is just phenomenal. And Angela Bassett is a, powerhouse in this movie
1: that there's a scene in particular you know the scenes in the trailer <laughs> it's kind of misleading you think that it's kind of like she's giving this grand speech to like all of wakanda but it's it's to one person mm-hmm. that's might, might be spoiler territory, but i'm not going to say who um but that scene lands even bigger to me than it did in the trailer yes just because i i mean it's just it's yeah the, it, almost I, she, it's intense you know so and she just she's such a force so
3: did you sink in your seat a little bit? Dirty? Yeah, like I thought you, my mom
1: was yelling at me. i right? was just sitting You've, here like you could Will. feel it. Yes, yeah, she said. Mm.
3: <laughs> what do you do after
1: that? You just leave. She, she <laughs> brought. Like
0: so. She brought such a, a gravitas that we almost never, if if at all, seen a Marvel movie. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, again, the emotions, the performance, the determination. It just, it was incredible. Yeah. But it's Corey said it. It's too. This movie's too long. This movie's <laughs> it's, it's trying to do too many things. It's two hours and 41, 44. Min, 44 minutes, I so. and The thing is, if I felt like everything they did was necessary, I think at this movie, I would have been a little more forgiving of the long run time. The problem is, as Corey, you already mentioned, there's at least two subplots that I was like, why are you doing this in this movie? This is the Iron Man 2 of Phase (laughs) 4. I don't want this movie to be that. But like they just tried to cram a lot of stuff in it that I just don't think fits and it actually undermines. I think the the story about how do you move on when you lose your king? How do you move on as a nation, as a family? How do you recover when you're under attack without a leader? There's a lot of really meaty, awesome stuff here. And I really, of all the movies in Phase 4, like I really wish, you know, we talked about how lean Love and Thunder was. I would have much rather have had a, a very more self-contained film that focused on that in Wakanda Forever, and I think we would have had a better film for it. So lot to like here, but I'm pretty middle of the road overall. I don't think it's a bad, I don't think it's a disaster. It's not the worst Marvel film, but it is definitely a disappointment on my end. Now, speaking about, you know, the momentous uh, tasks that I laid out here, there are, I think three goals. I think that I, I want to highlight that this movie is hitting on. One is, hey, uh, we have to uh, pay tribute and mourn Chadwick Boseman, we have to be a sequel to Black Panther, and we have to move the MCU forward as the final film of Phase 4, or at least Kevin Feige says it's the final film. It doesn't really seem very conclusive. But uh, I want to go around the table. I'll start with you, Chelsea. How well do you think uh, Wakanda Forever balanced these goals?
2: I think that, I mean, we've all said it, there were things that could have been dropped. Um, I think they did... fantastic job with honoring Chadwick I think that you know we open and it's a through line and we close I think that that that's always present Um, the moving the MCU forward we could have done without because the there were those pieces were not connected I mean they were connected by nature of they had interactions in the past with this like particular plot line and these characters but they didn't serve the purpose of the film which was i think in in essence it was to honor chadwick like at the the baseline of that film
0: so do you think it fell short in that way like it, so those are three major goals which one of those do you think it was successful which one of those do you think fell it fell short on
2: i think it was successful in honoring in honoring chadwick i don't think it was what was the second one
0: uh sequel to black panther
2: i mean i guess it it succeeded in all three at varying levels um the moving the MCU forward. I don't know if it moved it forward so much as just said, like these people have also been here.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Corey, what are your thoughts about that? How old do you think it accomplished those three goals?
3: Well, uh, man, let me start by saying this, man, Chadwick Bozeman, you know, is a, a, to me, a generational talent. Um, Chadwick Bozeman is like, he's, he's like a a, a real life black Superman, you know what I mean? He's played so many characters who are important to, to us historically, fictionally now. Um, replacing him is impossible. And even though I was on the recast of T'Challa thing, because the, the character of T'Challa is so important to me personally. Um, mm-hmm. you know, besides uh uh John Stewart's Green Lantern, he was the first black superhero that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. In those pages, um, in in the comic books, and um, you know, the character's so important, and his presence, T'Challa's presence is is heavy in this movie. You know, um, a lot of people can told, they a lot of people didn't like it. Um, I took a group of kids. Um, I took oh, nice. I, we took a well, we rented out a theater and took a bunch of kids. Nice. And some of the kids were complaining about the film being a little boring in certain parts. Um, and you know, when your star is not there, you're gonna have those issues. Um, but anywho, I'm sorry, I, I get emotional. Too, you know, just thinking about it.
0: Now, it's a good point though, because he he left a void that the movie has to attempt to fill with a supporting
3: cast, which is not. It's just not the same, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. It's not the same. They they were incredible. Everyone stepped up and did a great, great job. But um, to me, the the first Black Panther movie felt it was a part of the MCU. But I felt like I feel like Kevin Feige lets Ryan Cooler do his thing a little more than other yeah, directors. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And I think this was the same instance, but he didn't. I feel like he didn't have as much freedom in here. Um, like we said, does it push the MCU forward? Yes. Because they kind of shoehorned some things in that didn't need to be in here. And it kind of hurt the movie. And you got to think about it. We're all film lovers here. You know, at at what... And we all like the MCU generally? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we, we, we love film, like the MCU. How much of your film do you want to sacrifice for the sake of pushing the MCU forward? And 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 that happened a lot in this movie. And... Does it push some stuff that's going on in the future MCU forward? Yes. But it hurt the movie, and I didn't like it. So yeah. I don't know if that answers.
0: No, no. I think it did because I think that it's it's like, it, yes, it does succeed at that goal at the cost of some of these other goals it's trying to achieve, right? Right. Laurent, what what are your thoughts here? Yeah,
1: I think it definitely struggles to um, – to give I don't have as much of an issue with the length so much as I do how they utilized it. And I feel like yeah, it just 100%. it definitely feels like they just didn't have give the certain elements the proper breathing room that they needed. And then there's a couple of like you said some tangents that we go on that for all intents and purposes I think were interesting, but just felt like you said kind of divorced from the story that was most prominent or most important to this contained story. You know, and so I think the tribute to to is it's just it's is the strong takeaway that's what we get from this if for no other reason this movie exists than to give pay homage to him or pay tribute to him then then that alone you know makes it worth that worth going to see and worth contributing to but i definitely think that some of these so, the subplots feel again somewhat you know a little disconnected you know from from the main storyline that we're telling about this kind of insular conflict that's happening with Wakanda and uh Namor and the underground civilization so um yeah so I mean how well does it juggle that you know um moderately you know I think um the elements that work though for me work really well you know so I think that's why I'm a little more warm on it
0: no, it's fair because I, I cried at least twice in this movie. By the way, so like, I, it's not that this movie is like just oh, it's terrible. It, I'm middle of the ground because it's like it, it when it works, it works so well that the parts that don't work make it extra disappointing. Sure. Um, what I mean is, the movie I think has an incredible bookend. The opening Marvel logo is a tribute to Chadwick Boseman, and before the movie even starts, I'm already crying. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's just a, again a huge kudos to marvel for for doing that i just it, it was incredible it was emotional it's all the stuff in the middle that i think really um mm-hmm. took away from it for me but uh but also again the very end of the movie and the make credit scene yeah tears waterworks yeah. man
1: well and, uh, and i think that real life loss of him and the connection that we have like you know with that being like while they're grieving him, we're actually grieving him. And I think that symbiosis is really strong here. Just kind of just – it adds that extra layer to it because we, we, we're feeling the real-life grief, not just as a character but him as a person in our life. So that was that – was, I think that was a nice way of handling
0: it. I really think they, they handled all the T'Challa stuff and Chadwick Boseman stuff remarkably well. Another thing I want to note, again, it's mild spoilers. It's the very beginning of the movie. The, they open with a funeral. And it's really moving. It's emotional, but it's also celebratory of the life. Just really beautiful. And it also struck me not to get on the Star Wars soapbox. That's a totally different podcast. But you know, we lost Carrie Fisher between episodes eight and nine, and the way they opened this movie was exactly how like, this is how you should have opened the ninth movie. Of, you know, like with
2: mm-hmm.
0: they no one can. Rep- they're not. We've chosen not to replace the the character for 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 reasons that are probably pretty good. But like, mm-hmm. how do we still keep them in the fold and? I think the way they do it is it, his spirit and essence you know, just really flows throughout the entire movie. Now, LaRon, you mentioned Namor a couple of times. We haven't talked about Namor at all. Namor. No Namor. No no Namor. Namor. No Namor. No 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 oh, man, I've been saying it wrong the whole time. <laughs> you no Uh the Namor. F- the film features a fair amount of underwater shots, and uh, it really brings this entire other faction. I'm pretty sure they're actually Atlanteans in the comics. They have ad- adapted it to the big screen where it's uh, more of the uh, Mesoamerican yeah, Mesoamerican yeah. cultures there, which is really, really cool, by the way. How well did you think this film tackled the incorporations of this new faction, some of these uh, the new
3: villain? Okay, so I'm very passionate about this. So I'm a lifelong Fantastic Four fan. Um, I love the FF. They're my favorite group, my favorite comic uh, book superheroes. And Namor in the comics um, is a big nemesis of theirs. I don't even want to use the word villain. So I'm very familiar with him. And I gotta say, I don't think that they could have translated this character any better. I think the changes that they made were made him more interesting, gave him more depth, and just made it more culturally significant. I work a lot in the Hispanic community and these kids have a superhero now or they have, you know, not he, a superhero, but, you know, yeah, well, yeah villain's yeah. actually
0: not the yeah. right word. He's the antagonist, in quotes, antagonist of the movie. But like, that's the thing we'll get into in spoilers. But like, it's not really like he's a bad guy. Like what he's working towards is actually very
3: noble. Right. Right. Well, I, I won't say what he's working towards, what he's trying to defend. His motivations are noble. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, overall. Um, and he's. You yeah, know, he, he has some similarities to, to Killmonger, the previous antagonist, um, in a way that, you know, you you might have some good intentions, but you're going about things the wrong way. I liked what they did with uh, Telecon. Um, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but I'm, forgive me. I'm, I'm trying. You know, we've seen Atlantis before. We've seen Atlantis a thousand times and coming off the success of Jason Momoa's Aquaman, who wants to see that again? And, and the more uh, well, excuse me. Namor, when I, when I refer to his comic book version, I'll say Namor, movie, no more. But uh, comic book Namor, you know, he's a less charming version of Aquaman. Um, and that just wouldn't have worked. You know, so, so giving him this extra bit of flavor um, and culture and history, I loved it. Because it kind of mirrors the history and the culture of Wakanda. And, and and you know that those cultural similarities um, do something to certain characters that we can talk about later. And I think it was significant. It was a great choice. I think it looked good. You know, shooting filming things underwater is difficult. It's like filming in space. You know, no one really knows what that's supposed to look like. So you can kind of do whatever. you Tom want. Tom Cruise is going to find out. <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> he, is. he is. Or <laughs> Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> but um, it you know filming underwater is difficult. But I think I think. I liked it. I, You know, what, what they did, I enjoyed it. I do have a problem with it, but I don't know if it's spoiler territory. I think we were in Telecan too long. We, yeah. were, we were there for a long time. That's um, fair. And, and also, I will say this, um, because Namor is going to be so significant in the future, I feel like maybe Marvel was like, hey, Ryan, you know, we need a lot of setup for this. You know, let's, Ryan Coogler is an excellent world builder. He's 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 a great world builder, and I think that he did a great job of building out Namor's home and his people and what was significant to him. But this is a Black Panther movie, and I felt like we may have just spent a lot of time doing that instead of spending time on some other things, maybe. But I see why he did it because you know, you know, I I, I appreciate that more than just cram cramming a bunch of action scenes in there that don't mean anything. When a common complaint we.
0: I mean, throughout the entire MCU is, oh, you introduce this bad guy and you kill them off. And again, want yeah. to reiterate, he's not really, he's the, the end, end quotes antagonist, but right. like he's a rich character and it would have been a shame if they had just killed him off. So I think in my take on the extra investment was, like you said, he's going to be in future projects, but they, I also didn't feel like they invested that time just, just so they could him up. It served the story. It served the story here well enough, I thought. Um, Chelsea, what did you think of uh, the use of uh, Namor or Namor? Namor.
2: <laughs> um, I know he's going to play into like the future stuff, but I really think what Namor is interesting as a character, like especially for Shuri and everyone, is how do I say this? I'm being spoilery. In the absence of T'Challa, he he i feel like he very much represents the flip side of tchalla of what tchalla would have could have become if he had let like the the anger and the things like that that do drive namor in his interactions with the surface world to be and so him interacting as these characters are going through their grief is showing them you know different potentials I I think he did. I think he was a good foil for the characters in the absence of T'Challa for what he represented as a, a, an opposite of T'Challa. Well,
0: especially I love that Corey, you, you uh, highlighted that there were a lot of similarities. Again, we'll get to more of those in spoilers, but there's a lot of similarities there, especially when you're looking at a a kingdom without a King. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, very easily. What could have been like, I don't know. This guy has got a point, (laughs) you know, uh, they didn't go there, but that's certainly a, an added layer of, uh, uh, thematic layer that they, they they incorporated in their Chelsea. I think that's a good comparison. Le'Ron, uh what did you think of uh, the use of this character? I, I do love that, um,
1: that, that complication there because it, similar to Killmonger it has that, um, that where, you know, you're looking at what the Martin Luther King, Ma- Malcolm X duality, you know what I mean? Like where they both kind of want the same thing, but they have very different approaches for how to achieve that goal. Um, And, you know, I thought his backstory was interesting and I felt uh, it was uh, performed really well. I think as far as the that's that time that we spend there, um, it's obviously not as vibrant and, you know, um, and and it's expansive as Wakanda. But I think that's somewhat by design, you know, Um, but I think that um, it, you know, he introduces i think the time spent there was necessary for sure for shuri's you know the arc that we ultimately get later on in the story um it was necessary to if this is if we're going a certain direction um for her to have a very you know wide perspective on you know what all that was going to entail and where she stands on those issues you know so i think that um in mining kind of the philosophical you know issues with it, and you know they. Uh, well, I guess in many ways, the social, political, economic issues that are going on in this space. Um, it was necessary for her to see all sides of this, so that she could kind of really see who she is. You know, so
0: yeah, she had to to see all these uh, differing leadership styles or philosophies in order to really figure out where she fits in or could fit in. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't I'm, I'm not going to repeat too much of what said I, I thought it was a I thought it was great. He's a great villain or villains. Not the right word. He's a great antagonist, very much complements the themes of the movie and also is a great foil to Shuri and also just the other characters, even the Angela Bassett character. Great foil there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I want to say is this is not Black Panther Wakanda Forever's fault that Disney is releasing Avatar at the Way of Water. <laughs> in a month. And there was a trailer for it in front of this movie. That also features underwater blue people. Why can't
1: I see them? Why is (laughs) everything so dark?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Again, uh, underwater city. The underwater cities in this movie were beautiful. I don't want to take away from that. It just. By comparison. Yeah. It's, By uh, comparison and I and I'm not they are not the same thing. It's unfair, but the fact that there's a trailer right before the movie starts, your brain kind of goes places and you're like, well, why didn't it look as good as that? Mm-hmm. I don't know, because James Cameron worked on that for thirteen years probably. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know. Um <laughs> yeah. it was really great. I don't want to say that it left something to be desired. We spent just the right amount of time there. Enough for me to imagine the bigger possibilities without getting Bored. I will say the pacing I didn't mention in my just general thoughts, the pacing here in this movie was kind of all over the place for me as well, where I, I frequently found myself getting either bored or kind of sidetracked. And after I got past the wow factor of just how everything looked into the water, I definitely was like, all right, so we moving on. And, <laughs> right, and, right. And, and according to your point, I was like, oh, we're here for like 10 more minutes. Okay. Right. Uh, all right. Well, let me ask. Well,
3: okay, can I say something yeah, yeah. To, to that? So it was darker in Telecon than maybe The Way of Water or – you know uh, Jason Momoa's Atlantis, but I think that was intentional, and I think it added to the story because that kind of reflected who they are as a people, right? If you yeah. if you compare yeah. and contrast Wakanda, and he said it, the air is pristine, the 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 water is beautiful, you know, the sun is shining, all this stuff. Where he's from, it's dark, it's gritty, it's cold, you know, and that's well, I, there's an important plot point. Mm-hmm. We're almost so there. That, yeah, we're not there yet, but. Uh, it being the way it was, I feel like was important because that uh, added to his motivations. So I, I didn't mind it. I liked it. I I, I like the contrast that making it look like that yeah. gave us. So
0: right. I want to make sure it's clear. It's not ugly.
3: It it looks yeah. really yeah. it <laughs> looks
0: yeah. really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. It looks super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: There were there were some like technical differences. I mean, and yeah, like you said, like we see that we saw the Avatar trailer, and you know, thinking back towards Justice League and and Aquaman like you could tell they were holding their breath Yeah, in quite a few instances mm. during that movie. And so it's like, you know, you could tell which scenes were like actually filmed underwater and which ones maybe were underwater effects later on. <laughs> um, yeah, you could, it was, it was interesting when they had all like the James Cameron technology and things that there was that obviously like a glaring point. When you're
0: well, watching it. that said, it was probably a good thing. This movie came out before Avatar, the way of water. Cause I'm pretty <laughs> sure after, even if you hate the movie, we're still gonna be going Yeah, they would have just going nuts over the underwater effects. Yeah, uh, in that movie. I agree with you though symbolically though.
1: The mm-hmm. it looks like the contrast is does make a strong point, you know, for yeah. sure.
0: No, no. And I'm excited to dive into it. Before we do though, do you think this film successfully finds a path forward for the characters in the story without the titular character? I.e., do you wanna see a Black Panther three? Chelsea's nodding her head. What do you think, Chelsea?
2: I think it did, and I I I think that the absence of T'Challa freed a lot of these characters to be something that they weren't in the comics um, because they don't have that that attachment necessarily to him like they would. um, Like you have Okoye and we have um, Shuri, Um, you know, they're they're out in the wider world now and we've you know, we've. We've positioned Mbaku in a little bit more of a prominent placement moving forward. Oh yeah,
0: we didn't even mention that he's great. Oh, I love Steeler.
2: Yes, every time. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think all 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 things all together, I think it did open up the world a little bit more for these characters moving forward.
0: All right. So Chelsea's ready to see the next adventures of Black Panther whenever that may come.
3: Corey, what do you think? I'm so excited for the future of Black Panther. I think. I hate to say this. Um, I I don't want it to sound disrespectful, but I I think right now, if you if you consider the uh, political future of the MCU, um, what what other nations might come into the fold? Um, if you look at uh, the other villains and their their powers, their skill sets, and, and how that can be used, just the social political landscape of where Marvel's going and, and the, the, the possibilities. Um, I'm a true, I'm a black Panther fan. Like, you know, just reading the books and seeing, um, how the characters are and where we can go. I'm so excited. I, I think if you're a real black Panther fan, you should, you should have walked out of this movie, um, finding that peace. You know, we lost, we lost our guy, but you know, The franchise has been in good hands and I think, you know, nothing but positive things going forward. I'm so excited. Ah, That's excellent. That's great to hear. LaRon? I think the love and affection
1: that they showed Chadwick um, goes to show that they're trying at least to assure fans that moving forward, we're going to try and, you know, um, approach this with the sensitivity and the delicacy that it needs. Um, I think they set enough of a foundation with this, you know, to to have something to springboard off. Now, depending on how messy that might have been in this film, you know what I mean? Like that there's that's that's definitely something that could be said. But I do think there there are enough roots here to draw from, if that makes sense. So. um, So I think, yeah, there's enough here. There's enough here to you know, to to make another another successful film. Um and maybe it'd be easier now that so much groundwork had to be shoehorned into one movie. You know what I mean? Like so um so now there's some breathing room that they can give the next film, you know, with these characters.
0: I hope so. I'm on board as long as Ryan Coogler's on board. I'll yeah. follow that man anywhere. Yeah,
1: change of director, I'm not sure. Yeah. I really do think that he's holding it together
3: by the He's the secret here. sauce here. Yeah. He deserves a break though. I hope that man... Oh, yeah. Turns his phone yeah. off for a year. Yeah, Get some rest. <laughs> yeah.
0: Turn off for a year. Kevin Feige just shows up on his doorstep and saying, How's <laughs> that right. script going for Black Panther 3 man? <laughs> uh, especially with how successful this one's been at the box office. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move on to to letter grades. So uh Corey, uh so what we do on this show in terms of rating is we do it just like you do in school, A, B, C, D. We skip E for some reason and go straight to F. <laughs> Pluses and minuses are welcome. So I'm actually going to start with you, Laurent. What letter grade would you give Black Panther, Wakanda, Forever?
1: I'm right there in that B, B-plus range with this. And I think um, when I see it again, I'll know for sure what that is. So I'll say a B for now, but I'm, I, I, I feel mostly positive about it. Um, all of the faults I have with it um, were kind of took a backseat to how much it moved me. So um, So for that, I'll give that a, a positive score.
3: All right, Corey. My first watch, I was about to see, um, but that I went into it with so many preconceived notions and uh, you know stuff I shouldn't have gone in with. And after sitting on it and going to see it again, um, I have changed that C to a B plus.
0: Oh wow, wow, mm-hmm. that's quite a jump. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. B plus. Chelsea's neither head. Chelsea, what are you thinking?
2: I'm 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 firmly in the in the B camp, um, and I I really think at this point. I'm knocking it down on the sheer factor that I don't think... I'm not going to give a Marvel movie an A until they decide that they're going to cut 30 minutes off all their runtimes. <laughs> they're just automatically... Figure it out, guys. ...deduced <laughs> a grade every time with me now.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to okay. go... I'm right down the middle. I'm a C. You, okay. You, now, I will say this. You three have warmed me enough that I will at least attempt to watch it again <laughs> and, and actually nothing to do against this movie i it's mostly just the mcu fatigue is so strong that i even sure. rewatching watching an mcu film i mean but it'll be on disney plus in a couple months and maybe once yep. the holidays settle down i might go revisit it in the theater even would be cool because i think the things that work i really do think work so well but man i really just it it had so many masters it was trying to serve that i really think if they had just knocked 20 to 30 minutes off the runtime and focused on what it was doing best, I think we could have had an A, A-plus movie. Like this could have been a legendary goes beyond the MCU. But because it's part of the MCU machine and we've got all these boxes, we got to check and these uh, shareholders we have to please and we have to promise spinoffs and it just it really felt like it watered down. So I'm going to stick with a C. I'm going to stick to my guns on this with the big caveat of saying I was firmly like C, don't want to see this again. And now you guys have got me moved a little more uh, that I I do want to revisit it. So it could go up on my uh, repeat viewing. With that said, uh, before we jump into spoilers, I want to give listeners a little taste of maybe some other things they could watch. Uh, Chelsea, what alternate movie, television, novel, music, video game or other media recommendations would you give to listeners uh, related to this film?
2: Related to this one, um, I am going to throw out Lovecraft Country.
0: Oh, nice. Um,
2: Yes. So I think if you're, if you're, if you enjoy the taste of like the Afrofuturism that we get from the Black Panther movies, um, I think Lovecraft Country and, you know, we have future King, Jonathan Major. So if you want to get another taste of him in there, um, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it. I watched it when it first came out. So I'm a little hazy on some of the details, but it was crazy the whole time. So absolutely recommend it.
0: It's great. It was also canceled way too after one season, but it's really, really good. Highly recommend. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Corey, she actually took mine. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Majors is a star. I'm so glad he's in the MCU. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's incredible. Uh, like you said, Afrofuturism. Um, yeah. One thing I love, I mean, Lovecraft Country, it, 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 every episode is like a new genre. Mm-hmm. You know, So you're jumping around. It, it's, it keeps you in. Um, it's so interesting. But since you took mine, <laughs> I will say I'll go with Atlanta. FX yeah. is Atlanta. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. It just, it just wrapped in the ending. Um, I mean, Atlanta speaks to certain, you know, uh, the social commentary in Atlanta is speaking to certain things in in black culture that I feel like some people are afraid to say um, or that no one's saying. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think that, and it does it in such a creative, artistic way. It doesn't beat you over the head with things. So, and also uh, Atlanta's like a little meta, like, Oh yeah, it, the 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 series is not firmly based in reality at certain points, hmm. and it it serves the story very well. So, everyone go watch it, later.
0: It's fantastic. I haven't seen the I haven't seen season three or the the final season that just came out, season four. I I fell off during the COVID gap, but I, I got to get back on that. that show. The first two seasons were so good. You're in for a treat, man. Oh man, <laughs> I can't wait.
1: Laurent Chavin. Um, I think I went a little too literal with this because I was thinking very much about the context of the well, the movie, the conflict in the movie, um, and I was thinking of 2004 as Hotel Rwanda. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. came to mind. Um, this kind of inner civil war that's happening, you know, um, in that same space kind of reminds me a lot of this conflict. But that um, Namor. No more. no more is having, you know, with Wakanda and, you know, that kind of – I found the similarities there and just kind of like the long-term ramifications of colonization, um, which more on that later too. But, yes, Hotel Rwanda. It's a good movie. I'm sure most people have seen it, but rewatch it.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I think – People our age have seen it, but if you're younger, you That's might, true. you might because it, it was a huge Oscar award yeah, winner when true. it came out, but I mean.
1: Kind of put Don Sheet, even though Don Sheet had been around for a while, but that kind of was his, like, Viola out. Davis doubt moment, you yes. know, where he was, like, on people's radar, like, pretty prominently, so. More people should see it. If
0: you, if you haven't watched it, it's a, it's a must-see. I am actually just gonna go back to the basics uh, with Ryan Coogler. I am gonna say, go watch Fruitville Station. It's almost it's, said that I didn't. So <laughs> so good. I mean, I know I could say Creed, which is also amazing, but uh, it, it, I just I think Fruitville Station's a, it's the movie that kind of like really showed this guy. This guy understands story. He understands character, and he understands the emotions. And you can see those same sort of stylistic fingerprints on all of his movies, going back to to the. I would say the first one I saw, at least. I think yeah. that was his debut, right? Yep. So check that out. Fruitvale Station, must see. All right. Now it's time for the moment that at least the table, and like a lot of <laughs> listeners have been waiting for, the spoiler section. So if you do not want to be spoiled on Black Panther Wakanda Forever, go ahead and tune out now. Fula! All right, so we are here, full-blown spoiler section. So what we do here is I have a few topics picked out. I'm going to ask some questions, but I, I also mentioned before we started recording, in the spoiler section, it's a free game. So if, you, if something related that you didn't get to say and the spoiler-free section comes up, bring it up. Let's chat about it. But the first topic I I, I wanted to just tackle head-on is this, this idea of reuniting a kingdom in mourning or, or griefing. The film is bookended by tributes to Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa that really set a, a very somber tone for the movie. And Chelsea, I'll start with you. How do you think this premise explores the politics and mindsets of preparing for a conflict in a leaderless nation? I think that
2: the politics in the movie i don't necessarily think that they were changed from where we were in the first movie um i think it was more the mindsets that were affected and it's you know everybody was on the back foot they're all and it it puts everybody kind of on a, a defensive posture and i i think that that is something that we see translated like even into the real world you know, if it's there, there's that extra layer of chaos at the top and it's going to put everybody on the defensive, it's going to make you more reactive. Um, but when you consider their placement within the MCU, due to the, like the, due to the vibranium and everything like that, and you see Queen
3: Ramonda, Ramonda, Ramonda.
2: Yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, we see her, you know, stepping out and, you know, being more forceful because I think that she thinks that in the void that T'Challa left that Wakanda has to make sure that it's like protecting itself. And again, that's gonna it's gonna put it on the defensive. There if she yeah. does
0: not step up, there is no leader in Wakanda. Yeah. You know, there it's a it's a void waiting to be filled and uh again. Huge kudos to Angela Bassett. I did not expect her to die. See, full spoilers. We did not <laughs> yes. expect to see her die. die. Well, yeah, we're grieving. Wait, we didn't uh, talk, uh, we talk
2: about that. We didn't
1: even talk about that. Well, we're grieving T'Challa, but no one's talking about how we're grieving, you know, the queen, you know, like I'm mean, at the same film within the same thing. So
3: Angela
0: Bassett shows up with an Oscar-worthy performance in a superhero <laughs> movie and then dies. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yes.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a tinge to it, but... Yeah.
0: LaRon, what did you think about sort of exploring this idea of a leadership without a without a king?
1: It, it's interesting because it, that that first scene with her in the court is so powerful because it really does it it shows both Wakanda's strength and resilience, you know, as a nation, but it also shows their vulnerability mm-hmm. um, and how they have this um, they have this one resource that. You know that kind of keeps them keeps them in, in command of it. It's the thing that's allowed them to sustain all this power. Um, and like you said, she she has to initiate that. You know, flex that. You know that um, authority. You know that no, we're not gonna we're not gonna bend on this because we've seen what happens in in the, in our culture when we when we relinquish this thing from you because then all of a sudden we become you know, we're vulnerable, we could become, you know, enslaved to you, you know, in that space, you know, so this is that thing that they, they're not going to back down on. And I thought that was a strong way to open the film and, you know, to kind of show like, what are they going to do without a leader? And so it's kind of teeing up everything that's going to happen in the the rest of the film. Um, And, you know, and how that presence is so important, and showing up is so important.
0: Yeah. Uh, Again, um, I also liked that it was a, you know, I think we forget about this because there's been so many MC movies that have happened with Black Panther that have happened since Black Panther one. But this is really a product of T'Challa's decision at the end of Black Panther one to say, Mm -hmm. hey, we're Wakanda. We exist. We have all this badass technology. He's not here to sort of defend the cause or lead that vision. Mm -hmm. It it is by by no uh, fault of his own. Passed on to his mother and the next leader to Mm. have to carry his vision forward, even though he's not there to deliver it. Corey, what did you think about sort of how the film addresses uh, the lack of T'Challa?
3: Okay, so um, I'm going to go in a route no one else has gone here. Um, Based off my first viewing, which I've said I didn't, I wasn't very fond of it, of the film as a whole. Because I thought, plot-wise, a lot of people, especially the Wakandans, were just making stupid decisions. Like, this is just dumb. And off the first viewing, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, maybe I don't like the writing because why are people so stupid? But the second viewing, and after realizing, you know, the whole point is is that the king is gone. And that T'Challa would have made better decisions. T'Challa was a better leader than his mother. T'Challa was a better warrior than his sister. These people got thrown into these uncomfortable decisions, and that's why they were making terrible ones. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is why you should miss him. Um, you know, ironically, I'm watching some of the stuff with, you know, they're going to school with Riri and stuff, and I'm like, man, I miss Chadwick. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're supposed to. You know, you're supposed to feel that void that's left by him. Um, if you remember uh, T'Challa's episode of The What If?, Oh, yeah. Um, animated mm-hmm. series. Where he joins the Guardians of the Galaxy. He he joins the Guardians of the Galaxy. The whole point of the episode is that no matter where T'Challa goes, he's going to make that place better. Because that's just the kind of person he is. He's a natural leader. He's a natural fighter. He fights for good. You know, so he can't be replaced. And um, And again, that is just the theme of this movie. This man is irreplaceable, but we have to find a way to move forward. And the ending really does that for me because... And again, I was frustrated with this the first time I saw it, but Shuri learns the same lesson that T'Challa had to learn in Civil War, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about it, yeah. Um, she hasn't been through what he's been through, and she just wasn't ready. You know, she was thrown in. so I mean, She um, needed something to kind of put that fire under her, too, you know? So. Right, right. And, you know, this may be controversial, but, you know what we did with killmonger um in the last movie you know i didn't like um me how they killed him <laughs> well i was pretty bummed about that cuz he was so good all <laughs> right well see well the, the thing is i i i'm not mad with him dying per se because he he was so good that you can't just have a person like that just floating out there like i'm going to be like well where, where's killmonger you know mm-hmm. um but the social aspect of um well two 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 you know black men going at odds against each other mm-hmm. um i wasn't necessarily a fan of but anyway but with this one um you have two different minority groups going against each other and um i feel like that's a common theme that we're starting to see now with these black panther movies um i don't Enjoy it, but um. Anyways, let me. Um, sorry, let me dial this back. I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll get there though. I think yeah. you're hitting you're hitting on something I want to talk about, which is the like the
0: impacts of colonization. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, from essentially the imperial white 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 people. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But just to, to, we'll to get there, to close Adam. out
3: my thought, yeah. Um. These people need their king, and they didn't have him, and they had to figure it out without him, and they made mistakes along the way, and um, that's what I took from from that.
0: Well, what did you think? Uh, I do want to drill down a little bit mm-hmm. there. You mentioned Killmonger because he does show up in the film, of course. No. Uh, I, I was, I guess, Yeah, I, I was <laughs> not ready for that. I said, uh, put, put, put.
1: I w- <laughs> no one
0: told me. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> expecting to see. Yeah, you're expecting to see, uh, you know, Angela Bassett character there. No, 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 no. You get Killmonger, which I think is sort of highlighting again. Yes, she, this is uh, Shooty's coming, overcoming the revenge arc Mm. that we saw him do in Civil war, but you get to see a little, I feel like you get to see a little more of the internal struggle, uh, maybe a little, at least psychologically because of the vision, uh, what she's thinking and where Mm. her head's at. Did that work for you, Corey? Do you think that was an impactful way to kind of underscore the struggle that Shuri was dealing with? And do you think the film positions her well to take up that mantle? You know,
3: I think that they tried, but it didn't, it, that didn't really land with me. Because the general, and I am a black man watching this movie, the general black audience doesn't really see Killmonger as that bad. If someone kills your mom, wanting revenge shouldn't be that crazy. You know what I mean? But we learned this lesson, like I said, in Civil War, that that's not good. Um, So I think that it was cool seeing Killmonger back. But I just I don't they didn't stick the landing for me in terms of I think. Killmonger stuck the landing. You know, you want to be noble like your brother, or you want to take care of business like me. That stuck, but I don't think it stuck how Shuri responded to it, because mm-hmm. that response just led us to something we've already seen. Yeah, which is what T'Challa's already done. He she learned the same lesson he did, and I kind of wanted to see something new. See something
0: new? I, you know, I hadn't. I, I I'll be honest. I hadn't even thought about it through the lens of Civil War. I think that's a really, yeah, really compelling point. Honestly ron what was your take on how they utilized Killmonger? And also, I just want to dive a little further into how effective we thought Shuri's arc played out throughout the film.
1: Uh, I do like that she has this conflict. I mean, she has to have one. It would have been too easy, you know what I mean, for her to just be like, "I'm just going to do what My brother did, you know, like you know, mm-hmm. that kind of, you know what I mean. Like that would that would have made for a very boring, you know what I mean, peaks. And, and so I think just showing the complexity of the issues that they exist beyond Wakanda, that there are other people suffering from things. There are other people that need things like, how are you going to navigate all of these things? How are you going to be a amicable leader with other leaders, you know? And so, um, and they're going to have conflicts that contradict yours or, you know, or, or, or coalesce with yours, you know? So it's just kind of, I thought it was necessary for her to be challenged in that way. Um, much in the way that, um, N- the more, <laughs> the more. I don't know the why Moore I keep struggling his name. name. Um, the way that, yeah, the way that he, you know, introduces like other conflicts that he's having, you know, um, and what it's taken for him to kind of sustain his civilization. So, I thought that was a really nice surprise that kind of added an extra layer to the conflict she was already wrestling with, and you know, gives her that much more of a chance to kind of like grapple with. Do I you know no, maybe I should go a different route. maybe I'll be a different leader. Maybe I'll you know, like what would it look like if she had taken his advice and done you know that what what would you know what would that look like? and and so, um, you know how that's handled in the end, you know, I have more issues with than than the than the presentation of the conflict, you know, so um, as a standalone scene, I thought it was really strong.
3: Mm. Oh, one thing, I'm sorry, just real quick. okay. Shuri's decision in the third act uh, to go to war with Namor, I felt was so stupid and I hated it so much (laughs) because if somebody, you know, you're fighting a people who live in the water, they're more powerful in the ocean. Why would you go out into the middle of the ocean to fight them? But again, based off my second viewing, that was the point because Killmonger was irrational. He was too hot tempered. He was too quick to go to war. And, and, And that was his downfall. And it was almost Shuri's downfall too, because she listened to Killmonger to handle to take care. She was pressured into taking care of business like him, and it almost cost her the entire country. And yeah, man, they get pushed all the way down into like five people up in the corner. Five I was people. like, oh, they're about to die. Well, you know, <laughs> so the, it didn't stick the landing because the first time I watched it, I was like, why would you do that? That's stupid. But then Coogler does something. If you notice, um, in Baku. He tries to convince her not to do it. He's like, are you sure you want to do this, Shuri? This is kind of (laughs) crazy. And she's, you know, I'm going to do this and you're going to help me. And and in that moment, subtle things. She also had the braids braided back like Mm. uh, Killmonger did as well. And her suit, her suit even kind of looks more like Killmonger's than T'Challa's. It's got the dots. Well, in the gold, too. Mm -hmm. So she says, I'm going to do it and you're going to help me. And that sounded like something that Killmonger would say. And so I'm, in my second viewing, I'm realizing she's making these poor, again, she made poor decisions because T'Challa wasn't there. And then she made poor decisions because she was influenced by Killmonger, this guy who was just wrong all along and mm-hmm. caused her to do something stupid. Go, taking a boat to the middle of the ocean to fight No More <laughs> is something stupid Killmonger would do. So, yeah, that, you know, again, that second viewing is important, man. It, it opens some things up. But I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, Chelsea. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the the final conflict in Shuri's arc here?
2: Yeah, um, I I just want to comment on the the Killmonger part of it because I think he serves both Shuri's personal journey, but he also serves that greater conversation about the colonization in the story because he is he's a he's a callback to obviously his plotline in the first movie, but. Because we're dealing with a leader's a leaderless nation, and we're dealing with the decisions of that leader to expose the world. You know, Wakanda is Wakanda is a reflection of Africa. If the tragedies of the past had not happened, and it had been allowed to you know develop and flourish, and so because T'Challa opened Wakanda up, they are more cognizant of them having this value that they are now going to potentially have. The same, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna have the effects of colonization. Is essentially what the world is trying to do to them again.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent.
2: And so I think, I think that having Killmonger serves both of those purposes. I don't know if I bought the um, Shuri revenge arc personally.
0: Well, you, you mean where she decided last second not to kill Namor?
2: I don't think that. And maybe this is just my interactions with the character, but she doesn't feel like an angry character. Like she feels like an irrational character. Like she's just all over the place. I think they had to give her the anger to drive her story forwards, which is understandable in in the context of the grief and and the loss of both T'Challa and Ramonda. But I don't know if I bought it personally.
0: I will say, Letitia Wright is no. Chadwick Boseman <laughs> like it's just and, and I'm it's it's not fair right sure. that's yeah. the thing how many she, Chadwick
3: Boseman's are there though, yeah you know? exactly
0: that's what I'm saying and and even she was cast as a supporting character and the design is mm-hmm. a supporting character a really great desi- uh, supporting character but I mean this is just an example of you know, sometimes supporting characters can pivot especially if they're part of an ensemble cast to really step into the, the limelight this is one of those where I mean to your point though because I don't think the character is designed to to work in this way, it does feel repetitive. It makes the revenge arc harder to buy. I did find the final conflict pretty emotional, mm-hmm. but I think that's just because Ryan Coogler is such a damn good director, unless to do with the the writing of that character and even the performance. Again, Letitia Wright's fine, but it's it it did not carry the weight that I, I think to uh, T'Challa conflict mm-hmm. would have would have carried.
2: Well, and I I think. If you look at the characters that were around Shuri in the previous interactions we've had with her, outside of that short-term, you know, interaction we had with Killmonger, those are not characters that display anger in their motivations. You know, Okoye and and Ramonda and T'Challa and you know even down to like Everett Ross, who's you know he has he's had more interactions with Shuri than Killmonger would have at this point. They're not anger-driven characters, so I don't see that. I don't see that being her natural you know, pivot for me.
3: Well, might I add that we also have to understand that Shuri believes that T'Challa's death is her fault.
2: That's
0: true. We she haven't mm-hmm. acknowledged that yeah. yet. She does blame herself.
3: She could not figure out, you know, the, the recreating a the heart-shaped herb, herb, which she knew would have saved him. And mm-hmm. she's dealing with that the whole movie. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I, like I said, it it didn't stick to, they had to put Killmonger in there to make her angry. Right. You know, and it just didn't quite stick the landing because that's, that just didn't feel like who her character is her, her, the, her plot, the grieving
0: of the character, I found much more compelling than the revenge aspect. I agree. Because the, again, the bookend, the, 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 the blanket, the, the burning of the, 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 the funeral, ceremonial, robes. yeah, ceremonial robes. Oh man, just, but at the beginning and the end, really just really it struck the, the heart. Like she's just not ready to move on. And then by the end we see her, she's ready to move on. But the revenge plot really just didn't quite feel like it was as earned as that piece.
2: Yeah, and I, I think going back to your point where she thinks that T'Challa's death was her fault, I think a a, a greater motivating factor would have been a crisis of confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, her she's in this place of power and she's needing to lead a nation and she doesn't know she can do it. I think would have been a it would have been a better you know motivation for the character. I think than the anger.
0: It's tough. It's tough. I don't ever want to be the armchair quarterback and I, I try to go out of my way. LaRon makes movies so, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard, right? Like, sure. I never want to be like, oh, I would have been a better movie. It's always harder and more complicated yeah. than that. But then you're, there are times when you look at Especially a movie,
1: Especially when you know like, intellectual properties and like yeah. so many different, there's there's certain things you just have to do regardless. But right. yeah, I see. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a, again, Kugler had an impossible task to, to tackle and I don't think there's any way he would have served Everybody, you know, properly, you know, um, unless he was just given absolute free range to do whatever he wanted, and we know he didn't have that. So
0: no, it's very clear. I will, we'll get to that a bit about the MCU factor, but um, well, okay, okay. So I did want to just quickly hit on the the the, fi- the film's closing moments. They choose to use the mid credit scene not as a setup. I, I will say, loved this mid credit scene used t- for an emotional, poignant moment, not a hey. Check out, this thing's coming down the pipeline. I kind of wish that would have been the whole movie. <laughs> uh, but it was a really, really nice touch. What did you guys think of, uh, Corey, I'll start with you. What did you think of the the mid credit scene? where we we'll get to learn uh, the identity of uh, T'Challa's
3: son. Mm. Well, um, let me say something real quick before we jump into that. After uh, the last thing we talked about. How close could it have been to have another... Martha moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Shout out to Ryan Coogler, man. It's all about the direction. Yeah. You know, it, we were that we could have been, we could have had that again, and it would have been disastrous. But it, you know, it worked as good as it could have worked. But um, listen, I'm so excited. I I love that. So again, I was in the recast T'Challa camp, and we did get a recast of T'Challa. If you think about it, mm-hmm. and successor. Right. But see, the thing is, comic book T'Challa and movie T'Challa are so different and it bothers me as a fan. And so now I think that, you know, with the with little T'Challa Jr., um, Toussaint, 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 who's named after the, the Haitian yep. liberator um, who, who defeated the French and freed Haiti. Um, you have your chance to to write some of the wrongs. I understand why. MCU T'Challa is the way he is because he had to fit in the MCU. But people forget, T'Challa in the comics, his dad dies when he's really young anyways. And so he, he grows up without a dad. And, and he trains, he kind of, he, well, it depends on who you're reading, when, whatever. And the character's been around since 66, I think. But he, he largely grows up without a father and he has to figure it out. Um, now, this T'Challa has Shuri to help him figure it out, um, which I think that could be the whole plot of the next movie, which is honestly very interesting to me. You know, Shuri becoming what her brother was to her for her brother's son, it's so touching. Um, I mean, look, I mean, can you imagine little T'Challa one day having to go back to Wakanda and fight Mbaku for the throne? Because I'm assuming, you know, Mbaku's going to be the next king of Wakanda now.
0: Uh, that, that's actually different. he does. He does seem. Like the most likely candidate, they left that open. Did you
3: notice how like um so Shree says, I gotta go handle something and they go to like places we think she might be, like they go to the waterfall, she's mm-hmm. not there. They go to cut to Everett Ross, she's not there, and then boom, she's right where she needs to be. Um But yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Um, I have my own theories about, you know, little T'Challa Junior getting aged up. Um Oh yeah. You it's know. Marvel. There's, they can do it. Kang's. Mm. We have the quantum realm. Fifteen Realms. years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. We have the quantum realm, which time works differently. Where you, you know, you could go in a part of that and come Secret back. Secret wars are coming. Secret you wars. Know, just mm. find an um, excuse to age any, them up. There's yeah. so many things, but I, I love it. I think there's so many possibilities, and I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I can't wait to see what they do with this. Awesome. That, that, that's, uh,
0: that's good to hear. And uh, I, I'm with you. I think the uh, ending, the period. At the end mm-hmm. of this film really moved me and uh, excites me again. Reiterating what I said earlier, like I watch a third film with Brian was involved. Yeah. Well, Ron, how about you? What did you think of the use of the mid credit sequence for an emotional moment?
1: It works well as just a contained moment. Like you said, just to kind of add a little bit more depth to the ending. You know, um, it was strong enough without it, but it was nice to see. You know what I mean? A nice little glimmer of hope there at the end. Um, cause I really think, uh, Shuri had the impossible task. I can imagine that conversation like, Hey, so you want to be, you know what I mean? Like whenever they, whenever they had to make the impossible decision of what they're going to do next with this story, like I almost would have been nervous about, you know what I mean? Like having, is she going to be in all the other iterations or are they, like you said, are we, does this give them the opportunity to kind of play with, you know, like another opportunity, you know I mean? Another chance at this. So. I think it works well just as a poignant scene and then also um, gives a little granular, you know, glimmer of like what could become, you know, in the future of it.
0: Yeah. The next chapter, Black Panther potentially. Yeah. Chelsea, anything you want to add about the mid-credit sequence?
2: I thought it was great as an emotional moment. I didn't love it. Um, you wanted
0: that Ironheart mid-credit scene. Is that what I'm <laughs> hearing?
2: I think it undermines Shuri. In her placement in the MCU, um, because it basically said that this world can't exist without T'Challa, even though we have a Black Panther again.
1: I mean,
0: that's a that's a very that's valid. a perspective. No, I I agree. Yeah, yeah, Corey.
3: So, I hear what you're saying, and I respect it. And Shuri eventually. So, um, depending on what you're reading or what you're looking at, T'Challa goes off to join the Avengers, and while he's gone, Shuri. Becomes the Black Panther in Wakanda. And she has to deal with all these things. And I do think she... I, in a perfect world, Chadwick gets his three movies. And then Shuri gets three after him. And she is the Black Panther. That was what I wanted. Because she... And real quick. Shuri, comic book costume, has the white coat. The, mm-hmm. the fur coat collar. Mm-hmm. In the mountains... With Mbaku in the snow, that was the perfect time to pull that out. And they didn't do it. And I'm so upset about that. So I hope we see that in the future. But listen, um, you know, I, I c I you're right. I can't I can't discredit what you're saying. Shuri deserves her time in the sun.
2: Well, it, but. It, mine's not even necessarily Shuri's time in the sun. It's that we are basically we have a woman in the position, but we're just waiting for the man to step up.
0: Yeah, that that's that is I mean, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that is kind of like, okay, well, she's going to cover this movie mm-hmm. until we... That was we, cute, but you know. this is where we're going. It's like... Yeah. like well, and I, I don't want to get too much into the behind the scenes thing, and I do have, I do wonder, there is that mm-hmm. 5% chance that wonders that they were planning to make her a bigger deal at the end, and then, and then she came mean. out on Twitter with her anti-Baxter <laughs> thing, and then Kevin Feige's like, eh, actually, let's rework that a little bit. I don't know. that That is...
2: I could, I can, I, I can fully support that thought process.
0: I don't know though, but this is Disney. I just, it's a thought. I speculate, pure speculation, but it, it does call into question: were they trying to position her originally to t- fully take over, and then that stuff came out, and they're like, mm, too much potential PR, bad PR. So let's let's just kind of not take away from her in this movie, but also kind of leave her socketed as a support character ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, optics aren't good on that Chelsea. Man, that's a good point. I think that's a, I think that's a
3: fair criticism. But you but my my mind didn't go there. Like I was thinking they're like Batman and Robin now. Like she's going to teach him mm-hmm. what to, you know, show and, him. The ropes. And maybe
1: it's ambiguous that way. Maybe that's how they want it. Like, "Oh, we have this position to go the direction that's most convenient for us moving forward." You know what I mean? Like if, it, if it's too much of an issue this way, we'll go this way. Like, it's like... They
0: definitely left it open. They could take it a, a couple different ways. They're insulating
1: themselves from yeah. it and giving themselves options. But, I don't know.
0: Interpret it however. Yeah. They're like, let's see if people remember this after the pandemic's <laughs> over. <laughs> oh, they will. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So, I want to shift gears here. We've, we've danced a lo- uh, quite a bit around, like, uh, sort of the way that the film approaches colonization and colonizers and, and whatnot. Obviously, the, the joke uh, that we get about, oh, the colonizers, white people. So um, this film, I think, similar to the original film, is is really talking about sort of uh, the, you know, how Wakanda has all these riches they could go out and share to, you know, elevate the lives of uh, African-American men or African men across the planet and have chosen not to so far. This one is looking at, OK, so now that it's out in the open, that Wakanda has all this badass tech. We're going to pressure them because we want, you know, of course, the UN all all, old white people were like, hey, so that cool stuff, we want it and you should give it to us. And sort of the push and pull here comes is they assume that Wakanda is the only ones to have to have the uh, the vibranium. But it turns out uh, that uh, it's actually – It exists below the sea. It <laughs> uh, exists below the sea, and it creates a complex, uh, complicated problem for this other group of people who just want to be left alone entirely, mm-hmm. right? And we get into the idea that, okay, well, because of the pressure of the ruling sort of – I don't know. What's the right word to say? Colonizing class, the the, the wealthiest group, which is, again, wealthy white nations, yeah. are saying, we want this thing. You have to give it to us. And they want it from everyone. They don't really care who it comes from. They they feel threatened. So they're they're putting that down on these other nations. And because they are in fear that the surface dwellers are gonna come to them to try to in, in ruin their kingdoms, they are now fighting against another group who is suffering from the same problem. Mm-hmm. So I really would love to hear this is probably the themes that I've been thinking about the most, and I just I found to be a particularly compelling. Idea that the movie at least dives into. Uh, I don't know if they fully, you know, wrap, wrap it up. But how does this film explore the complex nature of feuds across marginalized peoples due to the demands and actions of that colonizing ruling class? Laurent, I'll start with you. Yeah, it, it feels like just
1: the mere presence or threat or of the evil of colonization pits these two people against themselves, you know. And so... And I find that really indicative of of what we've what we've seen happen in our own countries, you know, like so they have the intellect to know because they have been able to thrive and sustain because they have had these resources that they have not shared in that capacity um, to harness that power against them, against this thing happening to them that they've seen happen in other iterations, you know. So I think that. Um, them wielding that power, this is where they become very vulnerable because, like, it just dispense, like, how It comes less about um, how strong they are, but really how well they can protect their resources, how much they can guard their resources. And if they're fighting against each other, you know, um, then that puts them both in a vulnerable position because they both become weakened and they both become opened up to that exploitation, you know. So I think that... Um, um, it makes an interesting, you know, um, you know, uh, kind of symbolic overview of how colonization can, you know, specifically um again pit two marginalized nations against each other. And so I thought that was very um very interesting inclusion. Um and again, very very true to uh <laughs> um the, the story of America in many ways. So
0: well, and the Moore decides to compromise at the end right because he's like well I mean also she was about to kill him <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but he's like well no 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 see they're on our side now so when people come first we can work together sort of kind of gets the, the, the gist that maybe they could have worked together the entire time yeah um, but they're again, stronger
1: they, together than they would know, be fighting each other. each other but again
0: they're only fighting each other because someone else is creating a problem for exactly. them exactly yeah. uh, Corey what were, your, what were your thoughts on on how this film sort of approached the, the impacts of colonization
3: Well um, There's a lot So Depending on what city You live in Where you're from uh, The African American Community And the Hispanic community Does not always get along Um, Different social economic Factors that lead to this uh, You know But at the end of the day And I've actually Experienced this myself um, In real life I actually had a a Riot I wouldn't say a riot Um there was a big fight after school one day when I was in middle school between two separate ethnicities, and um, I remember thinking to myself like, "We all live in the ghetto. What, what are we doing?" You know what I mean? Like we we all live here um, next to each other, but how do we get along? Because if we get pulled over, we deal with the same thing. They looking at us the same way, so it's kind of stupid. And I and I want to say something, um, Shuri, again. A lot of this movie is is repeating the past. It's a a cycle. Shuri again learns the same lesson that T'Challa had to learn fighting Killmonger. She learned the lesson from Civil War. She learned the lesson again from the first Black Panther movie because Namor is just an aquatic Killmonger from, you know, from Mesoamerica. And his intentions are exactly the same. And, but this time, no more learns the lesson that Killmonger did not was not willing to learn. He learned humility and that humility um, is what forced him into working with this separate community. There was no way that a, a Disney movie could tackle something like this in a way that I thought wouldn't be problematic. You know what I mean? It's tough. This is as close as you get. And it's a Ryan directed movie. It's tough. It's, it's tough because yeah. they're very complex. Yeah. and And, you know. We spent like 45 minutes in telecon. You know what I mean? I feel like Shuri and Namor should have sat down and been like, you have vibranium. I have vibranium. The colonizers, colonizers want it. But, you know, we can figure out a way to work this out without killing them. You know what I mean? But, the, this, but you have to do that because that's the conflict of the movie. But, but the conflict is problematic. You know what I mean? The first film so the first film tackles the issues between people born Africans born on the continent in the diaspora, right? You guys left us, you guys sold us into slavery. Excuse me. You know where you're from and we don't know that the second movie. I feel like, and that's why I brought this up, brought up earlier is, you know, you have two neighboring people who get into it with each other, but we're both marginalized. Why not come together? Um, to fight the the fight for the greater good of our communities, but the enemy we, we're we're not the enemy. I I guess what I'm trying to say is I want Marvel to go for it and 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 have have Wakanda fight the U S. You know, mm-hmm. we, but you can't do that because let me ask you a question: How many Wakandans do you think died in the first Black Panther movie by other Wakandans? And then in Infinity War, they took the battle to Wakanda <laughs> where thousands more Wakandans died fighting a war that they had nothing to do with. They woke up that morning and didn't know what an Infinity, infinity Stone was. So then you have the overall, like, you know, black communities suffering from uh, legislation of a person that they didn't vote for. You know, so that's problematic to me in and of itself. Um, but again, I feel like Marvel just doesn't have the depth to really tackle these issues because they can't because it's Disney. That's what irks me about is that we, we touch the surface level of some things, but we don't really want to dive into it. You know, I, I, you know, that's long been not
0: specifically about the the race piece. I think and although I think it's, it's relevant. uh, My biggest criticism of Marvel in general with the MCU is they frequently comment on things, but don't go any deeper than that. Like, right. you know, I think about like um, Winter Soldier. We, we, we say, oh, my gosh, Nazis infiltrated the highest levels of government. They kind of touch on it a little bit, but they don't really
3: dive deep. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, there's a lot of movies like that. Uh, the first Iron Man. You know, there are terrorists, terrorists, quote unquote, here harming other people in their country. But, you know, I mean, what about what what about what we do to them? You know, what I mean, and I, and I understand that Tony, you know, stopped selling weapons, war, and everything. But you know, you went, you went to the city and and killed all those terrorists, man. We'll, we'll pull up to the Pentagon next. You know, there, there are other uh, enemies here at home. But you know, I I digress.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I I think it's valid criticism, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I especially, I mean, I I definitely echo the thoughts that. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is only willing to go so deep on its criticism. It, it frequently comments on on things that that are happening in our culture that are being talked about in the zeitgeist without actually saying anything meaningful about
3: it. I hate to be the person who feels like they can rewrite someone's story because Coogler and company are great writers, but uh, the 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 lady who's in charge of the Thunderbolts with the purple.
2: Oh, the the Contessa.
3: Contessa, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Julia Louis-Dravis, yeah. I think a better social commentary would be that, you know, Wakanda and uh, Telecom reach some kind of agreement and become friends and she disrupts that. Like she sabotages that and turns them against each other because the CIA, FBI do have uh, a history of doing things like this, you know, um. Planting evidence and, and turning groups of people against each other.
0: I mean, it's true. If you're gonna shoehorn the government intervention, give <laughs> in them something there, to do.
3: Yeah, give, give them something to do. Give, give them yeah.
0: something to do. Well, and, and I make, would say make too, them the villain. What I would say too the the optics of you know, Namor's request is, hey, we're totally cool. We can all be chummy. Just go kill that one black teenager over there. You know, exactly. Like it's uh, yeah, the optics aren't great mm. on that. I I agree. Since we're talking about the thunderbolts. Let's just go ahead and talk about the state of the MCU, guys. And I know Laron, Chelsea, basically every time we do an MCU cover <laughs> review, we end up talking about this. But uh, my biggest criticism of this movie, as you're talking about Thunderbolts, uh, th- this didn't need to be in the movie. The, 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 the entire no. Ironheart didn't need to be in this movie. The Thunderbolts didn't need to be in this movie. Uh, Martin Freeman's Everett Ross does actually nothing in this movie. Yeah. It doesn't in any way yeah. forward the, the the story or the themes that are being um, addressed in our main story. You know, it'd be one thing if it's oh, it's like fifteen minute, ten, even just ten minutes. No, no, it's like thirty minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. the entire. Of supply. this two hour and forty one minute
1: movie, thirty yes. minutes is dedicated to this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. I the thing is, like, I think it's not that I think any of these characters aren't interesting or that right. these plot. It's just it just feels like a, a huge distraction. From the story we're telling you know what i mean like it it, it can't help but feel shoehorned into this and because i like the character of ironheart quite a bit i thought she was oh yeah had, had a strong presence and i i love I'll I'll, I'll I'll probably won't watch the show but you know but i mean i i understand that they're they're teeing that up too they're like trying to get this get the you know that ready you know for people to watch too and they have to introduce her somewhere so i just felt like but it feels like that and that's the problem I mean, it feels like this is clearly to sell the show. This is clearly to advance the story because you had nowhere else to stitch this. So we're just going to dump it into this already, you know, wonky, you know what I mean, storyline. We have so many things we're juggling here and it just doesn't give it the breathing room that it needed. It really did a disservice, you know what I mean, to that character in this story because it feels like they came in. They had a huge presence and then they're immediately just kind of there towards the second half seems
0: very insignificant and not not necessary so well it, i i can't articulate how my eyes rolled to the back of my head when like we gotta go find the scientist i'm like oh okay go find the scientist and then i and then you, you see exactly who it is i'm like oh no mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that was my reaction because i was like oh she's building a suit oh yeah <laughs> so it just yeah, t- t- can che- Chelsea's, Chelsea, you're biting. I see you're biting your tongue over here. What, what, do, what do you think? A what? different movie, maybe. I would, t- I would see it. It I, just I, I, felt. I, no, the character of Ironheart is great. Right, right. I, it's, I, it's, it's, really is. I it just.
1: It, I was like, ah, I, I'm invested over here. What is this? You know, like so. Anyway.
2: I liked Ironheart. I think her character obviously had a disservice of she was here in service of the other characters, but I think she served a purpose for Shuri. In that she grounded Shuri in where she was, like where she came from, because she was that child genius. And so she had T'Challa and she had Killmonger and she obviously had um, Namur as these these like pathways of where she could go as a leader. And so Riri was her her grounding. I mean, we we brought her in and that's when we've, you know, we've we ventured into Talokan and all that stuff. But I think that that gave Shuri just like that weight of like she can see where she came from
0: that is a really generous read of that mm. uh, hadn't considered it there is some common threads there for sure that's why we do this guys <laughs> yeah it, see, it, it makes me look at the positive side Chelsea you're, you're doing such a good job <laughs> talk up. Um, uh, Cora, what, what did you think about like the inclusion of Ironheart uh, and the Thunderbolts for example, I,
3: I agree with Chelsea 100% I think that Shuri saw herself in Riri Williams and was like I can't kill her just give her over to some dude we need to protect our girls and you know, in which that is a theme in and of itself, because, um, you know, in Sudan a couple of years ago, women were getting kidnapped left and right.
2: Oh, in the and, hundreds. Like, and, I mean, they were kidnapping like whole schools.
3: Right. And then you yeah. I, 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 10 years ago with the Joseph Coney thing where they were kidnapping girls, too. I think there's mm-hmm. there's some underlying context there of, again, because remember, that's what Killmonger said. You know, you just you just don't take care of your own people. And so I guess that it was a way of sure you learning that lesson in a positive way of. I don't want to make that same mistake, so I'm going to take care of her because she's one of us. You know, even though she's not one of us, she is one of us, you know. Which is great.
0: That that is the best part of that subplot is that you get to see Shuri be a, a caring person and be like, "I can't we can't we are willing to go to war to protect her basically right. because right. it's just not the we cannot give this girl over to Namor so that he can kill her. It's just it's not right. It's not ethical. It's not who we are and we are looking out for our own." Which is which is great.
3: I think that's a very T'Challa thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. You, you, you see that's something he definitely would do. So, again, I think I think Riri, I didn't need to see an Ironheart suit. We could have saved that for a series. Maybe she's just there being smart, you know. Um, yeah. Even
0: that would have been better, honestly, if she just showed up and is a supporting
3: character, does some genius shit back right. in Wakanda. That would have been cool. You don't, You don't have to make a Tony Stark suit. Right. for but me to know that, you're
1: smart all that was undercooked yeah
3: yeah it, right like I wanna you could've showed me all that in the Ironheart series like introduce me to her in Wakanda forever tell me she's smart show me she's smart and then when we get to the series really develop her um, oops so um, you know that I think that lagged the, the film a little bit we didn't need all that um, now back onto the Thunderbolts like I said earlier if you're gonna put them if you're gonna if you're gonna show me so much of this give them something to do I really feel like if 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 a, if if they would have been doing something underhanded to to cause cause a rift between Talakon and Wakanda to make them fight, because like I said, the context there is important. The CIA does it all the time. Uh, uh, Everett Ross said it himself. We we trained Killmonger to go in and destabilize countries. Show me that Thunderbolts. Show me somebody go in, destabilize Talakon, and blame it on Wakanda. And then and now you have these two minorities fighting because the white man, quote unquote, pitted them against each other. I think the subtext to that is much more important than what we got. You don't want
1: your sequel to feel like a filler. And the thing about it is is there's so much in this story that we could have made a sequel out of that we didn't need we didn't need so many filler moments. You know what I mean? And right. that's and that's the issue. It's like it's it's struggling to be that middling second second film while also There's really strong things in it that would have just – you know, that in the contained story that could have just kept it from being – having those structural issues, you know, towards the second half for
0: me. But – Just a lack of – it it makes it seem like it's 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 less focused because you'll have – like I said, you have the beginning and the end and – parts of the middle that are really focused on this mourning and this griefing and how do we move on how do we how do we face this great conflict without a leader which is really powerful but then on top of it you've got all this other stuff that you spend it's not just like oh one scene two scene. no it's like a sizable chunk of the movie that you're over here following these people and there are things him.
1: that deserve that breathing room yes. to be developed better because they are going to become become useful in the future you know television shows and movies right. so it's like I don't know. Yeah. And I don't honestly, I don't know how you would have handled all of this. I can't say like again, I am a filmmaker. I'm not Ryan Coogler. <laughs> so right. I couldn't I couldn't say how I would have handled all those things, especially if it was a necessity to include them. But Nick, like you said it just can't help but feel like certain things were where.
2: Uh, go ahead. Well, and I, I think Everett Ross's inclusion was fine. I mean, he's a character that we have associations with him with Black Panther, but. We didn't need that. We didn't need to know that she was his ex-wife. Like whatever, that's, that's completely <laughs> right. irrelevant information. Well, I, I,
0: I'm not mad that he's in the movie. I'm mad that he's in the movie and essentially does nothing. That's right. the bigger problem for right. me.
2: Right, and it's it's you know we had the we had the scene at the beginning with the UN and it's if if, if the Thunderbolts like you said, like we've all said the Thunderbolts didn't need to be there. If Everett was you know the guy that knew the information and he's you know fighting his own government because he is friends with them, that would have been completely fine. As that extra piece of information to tie us back into the the you know the, the colonization conversation of we're gonna go in and I mean they literally said we're gonna destabilize them in that room with Val mm-hmm. like they said we're, our goal is to destabilize and then Val was like we want the vibranium because we just want to blow everybody up
3: but they mm-hmm. never do anything mm-hmm. like the, like they're, they're it's like they're planning to be the bad guys but they never do it mm-hmm. no
2: and it <laughs> I, I think I think if Everett had had a little bit more um a little bit more to do in terms of, you know, yeah. protecting the Wakandans. I think his plotline would have been better served than what he was, was just, you know, his filler.
1: And like you said, they never do it because they were like, oh yeah, we have four other movies to make in this one movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we dedicate more time to this, then like you said, like we're, 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 you know, neutering what we could do in the next films. And so that's why I'm like, then just like push it out then. Cause I did you know, that was the issue. It just felt like, again, felt like un Again, interesting things that need to be established, but maybe not in this movie,
0: right? Yeah. And I, I have to say, of the upcoming Marvel projects, I I am intrigued by the premise. I mean, the Thunderbolts comics I find really compelling. Uh, although we're not going to get any Norman Osborn, it doesn't look like, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I like the whole premise of the Thunderbolts is super cool, and I'm excited that we're we're getting there. But the the um, honestly, almost all of the setup for it so far has felt really slapped on. Uh, any any Julia Louis Dreyfus shows up i'm like okay i know what we're doing here like there's no hiding it and it's in plain sight it's always post-credit scenes it's always for one scene of a tv mm-hmm. show and i just you know for uh the, the mcu they did such a great job setting up the avengers yeah in, the, in phase one and then ultimately setting us up for infinity war slash Endgame in the mm-hmm. long run of the first three phases that this just feels lazy it's like all right yeah. well we want to set this up just throw we throw Julia Marie Jafus for this movie that's coming in like eight years. You uh, know? I did
1: like the one line when he's gets arrested and then they come to save him and he's in shackles and <laughs> she's like colonizer in shackles. You can't make this. That one. was good. That, that was good. good. That was <laughs> good. a good moment.
0: Yeah. A, so I don't want to deny a downer her though. So in general thinking about 30 movies and several TV shows in how are we all feeling about the future of the MCU? I have complicated feelings, but Chelsea, I want to start with you and we'll go around the table.
2: Um, so I'm excited because I'm ready for the supernatural, um, which we've started setting it up. We've had, you know, we've had fury and Maria Hill and the shard. We've had, you know, blade. We've had, Black. I'm ready for mi 13. I'm ready. I'm ready for the vampires. Let's bring it on. I'm ready for the supernatural, but we're not going to get there quite yet, but the multiverse is going to be, I think it's fun. I, I don't have a problem. I don't think I have Marvel fatigue. I, I always have a great time going in and watching the movies. Um, there was a roller coaster, so I'm I'm still excited what they're gonna do.
0: Yeah. I, I am increasingly worried about the blade movie though. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. But the and, and hey, if it wasn't working out, I'm glad they had the the guts to say it's not let's just time. let's not let's take yeah, that extra don't, time. Don't take that time. <laughs> yeah. Marshall he's not happy with the script, let's just go back to the <laughs> basics. So I'm happy they're doing that, but also I'm just like, Oh boy, they gotta nail it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, Corey, how about you? What, what do you, how do you, what, you know, are you, are you excited about the future of the MCU? Are there any projects in particular you want to highlight or are you getting a little tired?
3: Listen, I'm a nerd. I love superheroes and I love movies and Marvel makes the best superhero movies. So even, even, even the lowest tier Marvel movies are better than what we get from the other guys, the other super move, superhero movie company. So, um, I'm, I'm extremely excited. I'm a huge Fantastic Four fan, and it makes my heart very happy that Marvel's taking their time with the script. With the well, they got we got our director, um, but you know, with the cast, it's uh, Matt Shackman, right? Yes, who did Wandavision? Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: oh. also did some really epic uh, Game of Thrones episodes. By
3: yeah, 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 he did. He did. I, I keep forgetting about that, but um, I'm I'm excited about him. I like what he does with the uh, you know space and time and dimensions and stuff. I I think he's a good guy for the job. I'm glad they're taking their time with this cast. I mean, you know, whoever we get to be Reed Richards, um, he's got to, you know, this has got to be a stud because, you know, I mean, come on. Uh, uh, Tanak Huerta is a, he's not a, he's a, he's a pretty good looking guy. And, you know, he's going to, he's going to push up on Susan Storm. (laughs) And I'm, I'm who, I, I, I don't know if I could tell Tanak no. So, you know, I, I'm excited for that. You know, to me, the Fantastic Four is like, to me, the heart and soul of Marvel Comics as a whole. So I'm, I'm hoping, excuse me, that they can do that for the MCU and breathe, breathe new life into the MCU. I think I'm calling right here. The Fantastic Four will breathe new life into the MCU and be exactly what we need it. So I'm super excited. I can't wait. I
0: am. You know, it, it's definitely I think it's without a shadow of a doubt. I, I hope I'm not jinxing it. Gonna be the best Fantastic Four movie we've ever gotten. And oh, also
3: yeah. Well, that's a low bar. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but 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 I, I love the Fantastic Silver Four. Lines.
0: They are they are like this huge foundational building block to the, the, the Marvel comics that just have not made it to the big screen, unfortunately. And I'm really excited to see what it looks like done right. And uh also Doctor Doom, one of the best villains of all time. And we again have not seen a great version of it on the big screen, so uh I can't wait to see what they do there as well. Uh Leron. Turn it to you.
1: Yes, so I do have Marvel fatigue, but um, I show up every time. (laughs) I still see every single one of them, and I give all of them an honest chance, you know. So I will continue to do that for the next thirty movies they make. (laughs) So, um, and hopefully they don't. They reward my time, you know, um, in that way. And if they do, great. And I'll. If there's, I think there's a lot of room to mine great ideas and and things out of these this kind of universe. I just. I have seen that in fits and starts as the franchise has continued on. I saw a lot of strong ones in the first half. As it's gone on, I've I've seen less and less of that. Where it's kind of feeling like this big money machine, and some of the stories have dulled and they're not as impactful as they used to be. With the ex, you know minor exceptions of like films like um, the the first Black Panther, you know, where it's like, okay, this is something different. Like this gives me something more, int- something more interesting to chew on. You know. Um, Leaving the theater and so as long as they kind of keep those kinds of things given auteur directors some wiggle room to put their auteurism into that space, you know That would be great because Ryan Coogler's Black Panther was such a success because Ryan Coogler You know DNA was all over it, right. you know mm-hmm. Whereas you know the other ones some for the most part are indistinguishable who's the director because you know They have that they don't have that vibe, you know, so but yeah, so I I Am, am, I'm modestly looking forward to the future of MCU. All
0: right, so I am closer to Leron than anybody here <laughs> because I think that just because of the sheer volume of Marvel projects that are coming out, I think the what's possible, the ceiling for quality, has lowered. But I also think like the bar is moderate. like. true. Sure. Like even the worst Marvel movie is still pretty. It's pretty, always a good. Yeah. I never walk yeah. out of a Marvel movie saying God, that this was, was awful. awful. And yeah.
1: even done that and with even DC, <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I have DC never was. been so hard. I haven't been hard, Marvel has not really broken my heart too many times. Yeah,
1: really. Yeah. Um, like comfort food's kinda of become I don't wanna say McDonald's because it's not really good food, but you know what I mean? Like
0: Taco uh, bueno at least, come on. Something that's yeah, consistently yeah. the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like okay. You know what you're gonna get. At 3
1: a.m. and if I have to go to McDonald's and get a you know, some hot fries or whatever. They're gonna taste exactly the same always, you know. Um but you know. But yeah,
0: um, I would say I don't wanna time. I don't wanna you know, I I know what you mean. That is a, a fair example insert a but better
1: I, fast food restaurant than mcdonald's that's just the first thing that came to mind and,
0: and also just assume Chick-fil-A. that uh, yeah, okay, Ch- sure. yeah. well and assume uh assume that we we at this table agree that fast food is tasty so yeah. Yeah. um my thing is i think what I'm, i've decided to do though is i'm really gonna have to pace myself on these tv shows because i think where the fatigue was really hitting hard was i was trying to keep up with all the shows and i i just didn't care about most of them i tried Uh, I won't go down the line, but there were a couple of them. And I was like, I really, why am I, I'm showing up to watch this show that genuinely I don't enjoy. I think it's bad. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. And that, I would say, really sped up uh, how fast I was getting tired. So I'm taking a break from those. And guys, the X-Men. Oh. I mean, you
1: know, yeah. <laughs> like a, I we have see, a lot to look forward to.
0: No. So X ready. now. X-Men,
1: guys. X-Men, Blade. Yeah. And Batman. Those are like those those things exist <laughs> in their own for Holy me. Holy trinity. Like I don't yeah.
2: Okay, but this is my bar when it comes to Blade. Like I'm ready for the full callback to like Early two thousands blue hue vampire movies. Please, I yes. am ready. I am ready. Like, um, let's do it. Let's I'm, go back. I'm all in. I'm all <laughs> in. Were those
3: were those a re, uh, early two thousands Blade movies? Did they have an R rating? Yeah, yeah, all three yeah. Of they them. were all yeah. three of them. You think? You think Disney? No, no.
1: no that's my. That's no. the thing that bothered That's the thing that makes me nervous.
0: I mean, I don't know though. <laughs> Maybe if Mahershala pushes them enough and they're desperate enough, they could, they might go for Maybe Deadpool. Well,
2: is Deadpool before Blade? Yes. Yes, no. and it
0: is R rated. That's, that's, it's true. The first one was, right? And you We're also mentioned – uh well, Well, the first two are, but the new one, it's implied that it's going to be okay. – I think Ryan uh, Reynolds said it would be an R-rated mm-hmm. film. So, yeah, there's room there. I mean, there's certainly an audience of millennials <laughs> who will show up and pay lots of money for R-rated Marvel content. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, also, speaking of Deadpool, <sighs> I thought I was done with Deadpool, but then they – they they hate the hate the, wolf, the <laughs> thing. <Yeah. laughs> I was like, dang it, they got me. I'm back. So yeah. It's one of those things to catch 22. I'm tired, but oh man, this thing sounds so cool and I have to see it and I can't wait. I'm gonna be there on the Thursday night screening, the week it comes out. So that that's that's where I'm at. I I, I every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in and I'm always so excited and occasionally disappointed, but that's okay.
3: Hey, can I um real quick yeah, before we wrap. I just want to touch on something that we did not touch on that I wanted to in the beginning, spoiler-free. Namor creates a son for his people, and that scene was so beautiful to me. That was good. I mean, he it, he he really does have something to fight for, and and that's why we resonate with him and don't really hate him as much as we might have hated Killmonger, who shoots his girlfriend in the face, you know, <laughs> and 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 his son made Talakon among other things, but yes, yeah. his you know his son made Talakon look better it you know the the whole purpose is it's dark but no more literally brings light to his people Mm -hmm. and and that was just so beautiful thematically and visually to me and that is definitely worth noting. I want to just say that. So. I,
0: I look forward to seeing how they use Namor in future movies. because yeah, I, yeah. I think he's a really compelling character. And I think we did spend a lot of time, like you said earlier, we did spend a lot of time with him. But I think it's worth I mean, I think in the long run, I think for me personally, it was worth it in the movie because he's one of the stronger parts of the film. But mm. I think in the long run of the MCU, yeah, like he's really going to be a. Yeah. He's uh, a character that's... I would like to. Yeah. You,
1: you're curious to see what else they do with him for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. He's yeah. well drawn.
0: Corey, thanks for bringing that back up about the light and dark. Yeah. See, poet, poetic. <laughs> yeah, ah, that's good stuff. Uh, Lauren Chelsea, anything else you want to add before we wrap up today?
2: Marvel needs to take notes from this movie in that you don't need to put so much effort into the girl power scenes, like X-Force in, in Endgame. Like, you had this scene with Okoye and Riri and Shuri like, coming out, and they're like, Woohoo and like down the road, I was like, This is the scene we needed.
3: Mm-hmm. So natural though.
2: It was so natural. Well,
3: that's the thing. Yeah. I it,
0: you know, it didn't it didn't occur to me halfway through the movie. I was like, wait, all the main characters are women all and they're all badasses. Yes. And it didn't feel like contrived or forced or in your face. It's like, no, this is just this is just the story. Yeah. It's amazing. And,
2: and, and, we, and we had it, you know, we've had it with the Dora the whole time, but now it's like this whole the whole franchise is is women now and it's it doesn't feel shoehorned in in any capacity.
0: The one male character that's really pointed is M'Baku, and he is a comedic relief character. So I, that should tell you something. That is pretty That is pretty exciting, actually. Laurent, any closing thoughts?
1: Well, it made $180 million, um, so I'm not going to say go see it. You've already seen it. You know you've seen it, but thanks for t- thanks for tuning in.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, listeners, thanks so much for joining us on this. uh, I think we hit about uh, right at two hour mark. Yes. Discussion of Black Panther, uh, Wakanda forever. As we close out, I do want to let listeners know where they can keep up with the three of you and your work and what you're doing online. Corey, first time guest. I'll start with you. Where can you said at the top of the show, but where can people keep up with you and all the great things you're doing uh, in the community here in Oklahoma City online?
3: We're a grand gentleman on everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, all you know, one thing, no underscores, no periods, just grand gentlemen. Um, and yeah, show us some love.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Check it out, guys. Uh, give me a follow.
1: Leron Chapman. You can follow me at my name under Leron Chapman, or you can follow me all my film reviews on Letterbox at Black underscore Senna underscore man. Excellent.
0: Chelsea Radman.
2: Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at the time being um, at Cinephile Chels. Um, and hopefully we might have some new stuff in the new year. Um, so just plug that.
0: All right, check it out. Keep Girl Features, Chelsea on Twitter, as long as it may last. You can also find me on Twitter, as long as it may last, at the time, although I'm, (laughs) probably shouldn't say this on the air, trying really hard to find an exit strategy that will also help me accomplish my goals off of Twitter right now. But uh, for the time being, it's uh, Letter C Masters Talk. That's Letter C Masters Talk, uh, film, television, video games. Also, LaRon, update, I went pro on Letterboxd. Oh, man. You know what that means? Uh, It means you're spending money. I am spending money. That is correct. <laughs> I went pro on letterboxed so I could change my name. It was C 91. It is now Seamasters Talk to match my Twitter handle. So you okay. can follow all my Letterboxd reviews. And as I'm migrating off Twitter, I'm trying to put more energy on Letterboxd. Guys, Letterboxd, not a sponsor of the show, but <laughs> if you want to keep up with all the films you're watching, whether you write reviews or not, a movie, an app that'll track, you can easily track what you're watching. You can log it on the Letterboxd app. I use it every single day. And I, I, can I just tell you how when I get to the end of the year and I have to like pick awards or uh, rank my movies, it is... Game changer. Yeah, I I used to like put all this stuff in spreadsheets, and then I have to go manually count movies and do ranking. No, no, no. It's on Letterbox does it for does it for you. Makes it nice and clean, easy to do. So Letterbox the app. I am definitely saying this because I need you all to follow me there, not on Twitter. So <laughs> find me on Letterbox at uh, C Masters Talk, and of course you can keep up with all the things we're doing over at the Cinematropolis on the Cinematropolis dot com. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. LeRon, Corey, Chelsea. Thanks for the time. It's it's been great chatting uh, Black Panther with you guys. Wakanda forever. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, listeners. We'll be back next week with a final pre-Thanksgiving special review of Ryan Johnson's Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion. It's going to be a fun time. Catch you again next time.